Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, happy Wednesday, everyone. I don't know how long it's been since I've dropped a podcast episode on a Wednesday before. Uh, It has to be quite a while. Uh, But anyways, that's the way the cookie crumbled this week. So uh, here you are. Got an episode of Hunt Therapy, and man, is it a dandy. We got an excellent part one to the show. That's right part one for this episode where uh, Jake is found. He's been missing for many episodes now, but he's been missing for many episodes now, but we got him. We found him. We were able to get him on the line. So you get to hear a little bit about what he's been up to some of the drama behind his near huntless hunting season. And, uh, you know, it's just good to hear from my baby brother again. So he'll be on the first part and uh, we'll also hear from good old, Alex and Brandon hear what they've been up to, what they got going on. Alex gives us a little rundown on what's coming up for tag applications, and it is just a fantastic time. Then part two, we're going to talk to Charles Whitwam of Howl for Wildlife. And uh, you'll notice by the name of this episode that we are talking about the activism side of being a hunter. And Charles gives us an excellent rundown on how his company, Howl for Wildlife, nearly a brand new company, as we'll find out after we talk to him, has done an incredible work in streamlining the way to make your voice heard from a legal standpoint as a hunter. Just an incredible thing that he set up. We're going to talk more about that in part two of this show. But before you get to any of that, I want to give a big announcement here for all of our younger listeners or maybe parents of students that are looking at college or or maybe even looking, maybe they're in college, but they're trying to decide what career they want to go after. Well, if you think you have any interest or your child or grandchild, niece, nephew, neighbor, whoever, maybe you're a teacher listening in, you got some students, you need to tell them that the day after tomorrow, February 3rd, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, Quail Forever and Pheasants Forever are partnering together to bring a day of college and career fair activities, all virtual, for conservation, career-motivated, desiring students, adults, maybe looking for a little change of pace or something. This is an excellent opportunity for those kinds of people to tune in and learn more about what it takes to become a conservationist. Our good friend Marissa Jensen over at Pheasants Forever is playing a key role in setting all this up. And uh, this is a great way to get yourself involved long term. We're talking lifetime possibly if you stick with the career your whole life. And uh, a great way to get 
in the door that way. It's a competitive field. Working in conservation science is a competitive field. So any little way that you can give yourself an advantage is certainly worth it. So again, you're going to look up the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever Conservation College and Virtual Career Fair. Again, running on Thursday, February 3rd from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Get there. Do what it takes to be there. You know what? I'm a teacher. I know about those college visit days that you get where you get to skip school for a day to go and you know learn about what your career is going to be or where you're going to go to college. I could almost guarantee you if you uh, took the day off to attend this, again, it's a virtual thing, uh, that your school would probably let you get away with that. So make sure you uh, go to the Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever website and register to join up with that great opportunity uh, to really hopefully set your future into a more wild career style. So check that out. All right, let's go ahead and let's roll into it here. Episode number 80, the big eight zero howling at politicians here on the first gen hunter podcast presented by Spartan Forge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hello again, our favorite audience in the whole wide world. And really, we should probably just say our one audience, but you know, still is true. Still our favorite one. (laughs) (laughs) We are, I'm just like a little bit, a little bit jacked right now. Okay. And, uh, after, if, if you had been me at my day of work today, feeling jacked would not probably be what you'd be feeling. You'd be, uh, you know, probably like, uh. I don't know. I don't know what you'd be feeling, but it would not be jacked. (laughs) And furthermore, if you had the chore to deal with that I had to deal with after work, I mean, immediately after work today, you definitely wouldn't be feeling jacked right now. Mm. But the one thing that can override all of that is being back here on hunt therapy with my favorite full hunt therapy crew. (laughs) that's right people we're in for another episode of hunt therapy the boys are back in town and it just feels good in fact one of our points like the very first point on tonight's script is titled the return of jake and that just made me that just made me (laughs) grin a little bit when i typed it i gotta be honest with you you know (laughs) it sounded like jake was you know some like lost king from a you know (laughs) The king of black topping, maybe. But uh, we got got Jake back tonight. And before I get too carried away, you know, there's some really big first-gen hunter news here lately. In fact, Alex sent me this big congratulatory text just the other night. We have a new title sponsor here on the First Gen Hunter podcast. If you were listening into the last episode, I made that announcement. But we are very happy to be partnered with spartan forge and again spartan forge is these this incredibly powerful deer behavior patterning 
you're going to think I'm making all this up when I tell you this is all like in one thing. Deer patterning app. So like, you know, it tells you if you were to go hunting today, this is where you would find the deer. And mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you from, from, uh, you know, firsthand use, incredibly accurate, incredibly accurate. We're going to have Bill on here soon and he's going to give us a rundown on that. But, uh, the other thing that you get with that map or with that app, I just kind of spoiled it there, is an incredible map, uh, uh, just a, a really good um, GPS located map. So, you know, it updates where you're at so you can navigate with it, not just e-scout, but you can actually use it for navigation while you're out in the field. And that came in very handy for me yesterday because... <laughs> you guys know me. I can't resist myself getting out and doing a little bit of shed hunting. I'm limiting myself in January. It's just like, these. <laughs> I know I got a problem. I have to laugh. <laughs> I have to laugh. <laughs> Are you ever gone before, Ken? Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. I'm a little bit of an ad- addict, but uh, <laughs> I've been hitting this new uh, piece of public ground that I've kind of been drooling over to Alex a little bit and to Jake too, I think. Um, Brandon, I may have mentioned it to you in one of our last episodes, but it's right, right close to the house. Just, it's just beautiful. I mean, just awesome. It's, it's thick, nasty timber. Great for early season shed hunting. You know, it's got, it's got what deer need this time of year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I get walking way back in there and I'm, you know, everything's working out great. I had identified these spots and when I had taken Jonas in there just to kind of check it out like a week before. And I was like, you know what? I bet there's some deer up there. And so I climb up this hill, find these uh, cedar trees, and oh, yeah, there's just great deer sign. And not just like, you know, doe palooza, like there's 85 beds here, and you know you're just in a doe family group. No, it was good mm. buck sign. There's rubs. There's, you know, a limited number of beds that you're seeing. But uh, it was it was just prime, and you know I'm just following the next sign, following the next sign, going you know following tracks, going to the next the next ridge that I think provides that right mix of southern exposure and and uh, thermal protection and wind advantage and all this right, and I start to get in there, and I'm like you know what, I think I know where I am. <laughs> but I'm not very sure that I know where I am. <laughs> and uh, thank goodness, pull out the old Spartan Forge app and uh, regain my bearings. And it's a good thing, too, because um, I was getting pretty close to, like, walking into uh, it, uh, walking into a frozen pond or a frozen lake or something mm. like that, you know. And you know how that goes. You start try walking on the, the side or whatever, then those banks get all steep and nasty. And mm-hmm. So Spartan Forge has already bailed me out from that standpoint too. So make sure if you're not using Spartan Forge, download the app, use the link in the show notes or in my link tree, and uh, which I need to do that, by the way. I need to update that in my link tree on Instagram. Uh, but you will find that link there. You need to get get yourself over there, get the app, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But yeah, so that's only uh, one piece of my uh, wild and crazy tales here lately. But uh, I got another one for you guys in a little bit. But before we do, we need to hear about the return of Jake. So, uh, Jake, you uh, sent us a text recently that you listened to the episode when we had no idea where you were. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> and I went back through all the texts, and I totally told you guys I wasn't going to be there the day before. No, you didn't. You said you might be there. <laughs> I said I probably won't be there. See, might. Mm. I... <laughs> yeah it took me a while to go back to that and find that but i think i think it was pretty clear i wasn't going to be there but uh sorry i missed it well we were really worried about you i mean we we uh called like the missing persons link but they said they have to be gone more than 24 hours not 24 minutes so yeah. we figured you were okay yeah, we were worried you were preserving oh, yourself in a tank well, of uh, asphalt sealer, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably never be able to hunt again because I'd smell like sealer the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. So always hunt upwind of Jake. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we're glad Jake can be back on the show, and uh, I'm sure you had a really good excuse for why you weren't there but you know something that i've kind of whined about on this show on your behalf is the fact that you really did not get to hunt very much this year you were kind of uh busy pretty well tied up Mm -hmm. and uh once you give us an update have you did you end up doing any more hunting later in the season or uh was your season really just that crazy busy yeah it was a really busy work season again it gets busier every year for some reason uh, which is good, but uh, no, I, I think the last time I hunted was during the rut when I was at your place uh, with Gigi, wow. and I got that bad tendonitis there mm. back in October, I think, and so I shoot a recurve, so you have to pull your bow with the, my three worst fingers, and mm. so it got to the point where I could barely close my hand, Ooh. and... It was really hard at work. I could barely pull the trigger on the sprayer. And so um, I kind of quit shooting my bow altogether. But I went out and went hunting. I figured I could pull back once and kind of grip my teeth and (laughs) shoot that way. But, um, no, that kind of just took me out of it. I just wanted to let it rest so I could finish work up for the year. But it's all better now. Um, I was going to hunt late muzzleloader, but... Uh, we were up in Michigan for a while. We had to keep going back and forth, so it just didn't happen. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm planning on starting to start shooting here again soon. I put a heater in my garage, so I might shoot in my garage 10 yards or so. But, uh, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at now. Um, yeah. may, I plan to do some ice fishing, hopefully. Uh I tangled my ice fishing hut, all the poles in it. Uh, it's like a pop-up blind. I mm-hmm. tangled all my pop, all the poles in it last year, so I'm not too motivated to go out there until I get those untangled. Because oh. <laughs> I'm used to <laughs> sitting in my ice fishing hut, and I I don't go without it anymore. So um, hopefully, I can get those untangled and get Man. back out there with the heater. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Well, that's, uh, that's, I guess, an okay excuse. You know, you got the tendonitis, busy with work, and uh, everything else going on. But we do sincerely hope that you're able to get out a little bit more next year. And not even just a little bit, a lot of it. You didn't even get out to shoot your muzzleloader this year. So Yeah, no, I haven't shot it once this year. Yeah, so uh, 
Definitely need to amend that going into next season. And it's just hard to believe that the season is is over. You know, I know. Uh, yeah, it flew by. It, it, it just burned right by. You know, it seems like mm-hmm. we just got got into October, except for unless you're Brandon, which is kind of mm. our next point. If you live yeah. in Delaware, it's basically it's basically deer season year round. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. You, That's yeah. how I feel. You've yeah. been chasing. Like de- I mean, you've been chasing whitetails since September one, right, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. This oh. week is uh, actually late muzzleloader. This week, so we just finished up. Uh, interestingly, in Delaware, in the month of January, now with uh, with being able to shoot the four fifties. Um, the first weekend, the first two weekends of January are pistol season. And because a Bushmaster shoots a pistol round, you can use a Bushmaster during pistol season. Interesting. <laughs> Sign me up. I love that. <laughs> yeah. A little straight so, wild cartridge, huh? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's been awesome, man. I mean, it's been great. We've, uh, Really, I've I've really been pushing hard to get some guys, some deer, uh, you know, that we've been, you know, we've had a good, good, good year as a group and just trying to finish strong. And uh, actually one of the, one of the legendary bucks that, uh, that we, that we now have had, now we're going to have three years of history with, we've, we've nicknamed him X. Um, he, <laughs> we had a snowstorm here and, um, one of, one of the guys that I've been, you know, working with this year, mentoring and, you know, was able to see his son get a deer earlier this year. Um, he was out in stand and this buck, this buck made one mistake last year and he made one mistake this year. And he, this buck, uh, he, he was out, he was right after a snowstorm and another snowstorm was coming in that night. So we knew, man, this is, this should be a great time for movement. Wind is perfect. Everything's great. It's in the snow, which doesn't happen very often in Delaware. So it's, it's extra fun to be able to hunt out here in the snow when it happens. And uh, he was sitting there, he's glassing ahead. It was kind of on a, just in off of a ditch crossing and, um, interesting tip. It'll go along with this, uh, with this story, but he was looking and it's 20 minutes left of light and he had just resigned himself kind of like, you know what? I, I'm not going to see anything. He had had a few sits before, you know, in the week or two before that hadn't seen anything. And just as he thought that, and he brought his binoculars down, he looked over and there is X 30 yards from him. Oh, and it's walking basically away from him, but kind of diagonal. So, you know, it, it ultimately very quartering away shot. So he's able to get his gun up when he's behind a tree has a 30 yard shot. And basically what happened, he didn't make any noise, but X just kind of, you picture X off to the right, kind of walking away from him. And then he turned back towards him. So kind of, brought his shoulder back towards him. So he had a great kind of front on shot towards that shoulder and he shot. And, you know, when he got down, went over, there's blood, you know, it's looking good. A couple of us guys came in. I mean, of course we're just thrilled. I mean, not only, you know, it was my personal goal to see him get a deer, get and get ideally a buck. Um, but for it to be this buck, you know, for it to be this buck that we have history with, and he is just a stud of a buck. (laughs) And, uh, so we start tracking the blood trail and it is, it's very clearly, the blood is very clearly running down the shoulder. It is not spraying. It is running down the shoulder. 
And uh, so it's in the hoof prints. You know, you can see it as when he bounds and then stops. It's the blood's in in the prints in the snow. And uh, long story short, uh, basically we backed out eventually. We brought a dog in, you know, lost the trail. Two nights later, he was on cam and you could see exactly where he hit. He hit forward of the shoulder, did not break the shoulder or anything. Hit forward of the shoulder, flesh wound, muscle wound ahead of the shoulder and... He's we've been getting pictures of him consistently ever since then. No, no issue at all. So he is still out there. And uh, boy, we one mistake per year. That's about all. A wow. good, that's, that's about all a big buck will give you. And uh, so it just kind of adds to the legend of things. Fortunately, praise the Lord. Um, he was able we were just able to actually uh, get him a buck, a smaller buck. But but, you know, good buck for him nonetheless. Sure. Um, just about a week ago. So we're, so he was able to get, you know, his his buck for the year. That was kind of my goal. And uh, so that was awesome. I got one a couple weeks ago for the freezer, which was great. So it's been a really good finish to the year. We've had a fair amount of deer activity. You know, we've had like even in our group, different people having COVID and sicknesses. And one of our key guys just had a baby, which was awesome. So it's been it's been an exciting and a good time. So we're we're, you know, actually tonight couple of our guys one of our guys took his nephew out who's uh, like special needs super sweet kid they both had a chance the one his nephew with a bow but couldn't connect and then our one of the guys in our group had a chance with muzzleloader of course gun wouldn't go off so you know just oh. just how it goes sometimes <laughs> but he's going to get out here later this week and hopefully we'll have a a final good finish to the season but it's been an exciting late season you know so we're, we're i mean i'm just you know as a hunter you know, for the, when the bucks make it through, I mean, you're, you're already picturing in your mind what they're going to look like next year. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm, we, we got two super studs that are, are going to be just mammoths next year. So I'm, I'm really excited. They seem to really be pinpointed on our properties. And so I'm really excited to see what happens for next year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> Right. You know, oh. there's some encouragement though in there. I mean, you guys still have you still have some time, right? Can mm-hmm. are you are you yeah. allowed to to I assume you can still shoot a buck in the in the muzzleloader or is it You can still shoot a buck. Yep, you can still shoot a buck. So we've got through basically through this coming Sunday um to get out there and I mean the activity's been good. We've had we've had a fair amount of, you know, activity that last half hour to hour of light, you know, which has been good. Um the tip I just re- remembered real quick um that this, you know, this this guy who had this opportunity, he's a new hunter, you know, he grew up just hunting a tiny little bit, you know, was out of it for a very long time, just has gotten back into it in the last season or two and now is getting his boys into it, which is awesome. And uh, he said he said, "You know what, Brandon? I did I was not hunting like I thought I was going to get a deer. I was hunting mm. like I was out there observing and probably not going to see anything. And, you know, because of that, you know, for instance, what ended up happening in that particular situation, his gun was not ready. He had his gun down on, you know, in the stand, kind of resting on the gun rest rather than kind of ready to go. Sure. And uh, so because of that, when he made the shot, it was it was a little bit of an awkward shot. He was kind of leaning over the side of the stand. It wasn't really ideal. It was rushed, you know. So he said, you know, probably the biggest thing, and he mentioned this himself, you know, he the biggest thing I take away from it is when I go hunting, I need to expect 
that I'm going to that I'm going to have an opportunity. And I thought, mm. man, that is so true. You know, I look back on the opportunities that I've had. And when you when you think about most hunters, most average, most average to to a slightly above average hunters that are going to get periodic opportunities at good bucks, you're not going to get a lot of them. I mean, in, unless right. you're unless you're someone that's hunting just crazy ground or you're someone who's able to travel a lot or put a lot of time in you if you're the average hunter you're if you're getting one chance a year at a stud you are i mean that you're a blessed person there's there's a lot of hunters everywhere they don't get a chance that they're a lot of hunters are thankful just get meat in the freezer but if you're going to get one chance and you're going to capitalize on that chance it's going to be it's going to be because you were prepared and if you take off that minute or that hour or that you know you're just dilly-dallying and you miss that you know you you might wait another year or two or three years before you get another chance. And so that's the that's the encouragement to anyone out there that's listening. Get out there, be ready. I mean, be ready. Do those simple things. When you're sitting, you know, in a stand and you've got your weapon, have it in a ready position. Don't have it kind of sitting off all the side because when something happens, it may happen quick. You've got to be ready. And so it's just some of those very simple things that make all the difference at the end of the day. So I thought that was pretty cool that he recognized it and he even mentioned that tip and how he was going to really, and that was beforehand. And then, you know, you ended up getting the opportunity to the other buck and took advantage of it, which was awesome. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? Sometimes those are the best ways to learn things. Is mm-hmm, to, yes. To, I mean, that's, he's never gonna <laughs> he's never gonna do that again. You know, and yeah, and right. That, that story is eerily similar to mm. uh, when I missed that mega giant mm. um, a couple of seasons ago. You know, I yeah. I was walking back early. I'd already taken the cap out of my muzzleloader and uh, mm-hmm. walk right into three or four bucks. You know, with the smallest of them probably being one thirty, you know, one thirty-five class, and yeah. uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready to go, and I had to rush it at the end, and it didn't work out. But I do hear a good word of encouragement within there. I mean, if you're seeing this buck on your property on your cameras this, this mm-hmm. much, now this is just me spitballing here a little bit, mm-hmm. but to me that says he's hurt. He's not, yeah. you know, he's not hurt terribly, but mm-hmm. I mean, we've all, we've all gotten a good Charlie horse before. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, when you get a, a deep muscle contusion like that, you, you're not moving well for days, you know? Yeah. And let alone a, you know, what was he using? A, a four fifty or 50. Yep. So, I mean, <laughs> let alone with a four fifty blasting through your, uh, big you yeah. know big pectoral muscle shot there or something yeah. like that you're you'd be down hard for a while and so yeah i definitely think that's a survivable thing for him too but mm-hmm. to me that shows he's holding tight to home which seems yes. to be your farm and makes him therefore you know very killable i think oh yeah you guys can get after him here in the next few days so yeah that that uh Man, <laughs> you guys named him well. He's got a little bit Thank of a, you. Yeah. Th- that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's cool. You, this is the stuff legends are made out of. You know. That's right. He's got the X gene. You know, he's got that little yes. bit of that little bit of superpower there to to uh, <laughs> avoid avoid uh, being tagged. But mm-hmm. yep. Of course, you know, if you let him walk, you could get his sheds and then just go clean up on him next year. So <laughs> that's true. That, uh, or I, I, better I, I, yet, you can honor- invite me out to 
find his sheds. Yes. I was going to say, in honor of Kent, in honor of Kent, we are going to do our best to find these sheds. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. No, that's a that's a great story. I, I, Thank you. I like that a lot. That's that, There's really some... Uh, there's some building drama there. A lot mm, of good yes. rising action to, yes. to what's going on with old <laughs> Professor X. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see who uh gets to put him to bed for the last time. Yes. You know, I oh, love man, yes. all these uh these new hunters that you're having out in the woods and stuff, Brandon. Yep. And I yeah. I connect with them on a very you know, personal level there as far oh, yeah. as the hunting experience goes, but I gotta say, I'm ho- I'm hoping you get him. I hope. Oh, you're the, thank you. I'm I mean, you're I, the would, one. I would be humbled to be able to get him, man. I, you I, deserve I, it. You. I tell you, you know, there's it's so fun to it's so fun to see other people have fun, and then you know when when you yourself get something and and everyone's celebrating that too. I mean, it just comes full circle, and it you know it reminds you of how fun the brotherhood is and how much more enjoyable it is when you have people, whether it's whether it's in person or even remotely and you're texting guys and you know, everyone's rooting for each other. I mean, it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I love it. And I hope, I hope it all comes together for you, but yeah, thank you, man. But yeah, that's a, that's a cool story. Well, I, I had, so as I was saying, you know, kind of, I was previewing earlier, I had a bit of a chore to deal with after work tonight. And, uh, it has to do with a certain social media post that I made yesterday. <laughs> mm. Uh, mm. I was uh, able to kind of follow along some coon hunters here on our farm. Um, mm. I I think what happened here is, so, so we attend church with these guys, great hunting family. Um, the, uh, the dad in the family, he, uh, so he's got, I believe it's five sons and I think they all hunt. And, uh, he shot a 180s class buck this year. Nice. One nice. of one of the heaviest antlered bucks I have ever seen. Mm. I mean, just an absolute brutus. I mean, unbelievable. Well, anyways, they love hunting, yeah. and uh, they they know their way around the the woods, or in this case, the barnyard, pretty well. And uh, they had their coon hound, a Walker coon hound named Lorraine out and uh that was a ton of fun Jonas and Mm -hmm. I went out my grandpa was here kind of showing him around you know and my uncle was here we were all just kind of you know walking as they hunted and you know just just taking in the fun of watching a hound dog do its thing and uh, uh that was cool well there there was it was it was a deal where we had gone out a little bit too late and um we we had well we probably basically had been entering these these outbuildings after the coons were you know out in the cornfield for the night and it was it was uh the warmest day we've had in a while it actually got above freezing that day so you know i i think animals like that they get kind of restless for when that good weather comes around and they're just yeah. going to use it you know so the coons were all out. We we weren't seeing it. the dog was getting on some, you know, probably just an hour or two old sign and you know really baying on it and stuff like that, which was cool. But uh, no coons. So uh, I think there had to have been this conversation that took place that I was not a part of, and um, which is totally fine. 
you know? So, so I think my, uh, my grandparents must have invited them out and I'm kind of assuming that they mentioned that they wanted some of the coons gone off of the farm. Like they wanted them to, to be, uh, you know, taken care of. Yeah. And so they also brought some, some traps, you know, they got their, you know, they do a little bit of trapping. They got all the, you know, the fur harvester licensing and everything. And there's a few, you know, about a week left in the, uh, trapping season for raccoons. And, uh, so they brought out some traps and they set some traps and, uh, um, they were like, all right, you know, you get one and, and here, here's how you use it. And, uh, so I, of course, you know, I get my fur harvester license and everything. So that way I'm all legal and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you got to check a trap every, I believe it's every 24 hours, you know, or, and, yeah. and, uh, which, you know, for obviously reasons, you don't want to animal out there that's suffering or something like that. So I get out, I get up this morning or I got a, I got up the first morning. Nothing's there. Okay. You know, uh, leave it alone. And, uh, then I, I come back the next morning today and sure enough, there's a big old coon in the trap. Mm. Oh yeah. And <laughs> so it's kind of like, Oh boy, right before work. So I popped this coon with my 17 and, mm. uh, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't have any time to deal with it, you know, cause I got work Well, it's plenty cold yeah. out and everything like that. You know, it's, you know, obviously I dispatched it. So it's not like it's suffering or anything. It's, yeah. it's done for. And, uh, so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get home and I'm going to skin that thing and, uh, you know, see if I can't do something with that pelt. And, uh, <laughs> I am here to tell you guys that I have skinned my one and only my first and last <laughs> raccoon. Is it that bad? I, oh, you guys. I, I, I thought for sure you were going to tell me, like, your dog ripped it apart or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, first of all, is, like, freezing cold out right now. I mean, I'm sitting in my office right now, and I can feel the wind coming through the windows. Mm. Now, let, me, let me just take a look here. Yeah, it's hovering at about 61 degrees in my office right now. And so the wind is, like, cutting to the bone outside. You know, the wind chill's definitely got to be below zero. Yeah. And uh, so we get that thing out of the trap, of course, you know. I'm new to it, so it takes me <laughs> 10 minutes and a mm-hmm. trip or two back to the house to get tools uh, mm-hmm. to get that thing out of there. And uh, then uh, after I get it out of there, now's the, the job of skinning it. Well, you know, I'm actually, I don't want to toot my own horn too too much here, but I, I'm actually not too bad with uh, uh, skinning out animals. You know, I, I think a lot of that comes from... Um, teaching anatomy and physiology for so many years and taking those kind of classes and having to do a ton of dissection mm-hmm. in uh, years past, you know? And uh, so I got Jonas with me, you know, he's interested in this. We take it into the shop. First thing I noticed once I flopped that thing down on the table, raccoons have a unique smell. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they just, oh, yeah. They just got an odor to them. <laughs> and and uh, this thing was just 
I mean, it was a healthy coon, you know, it wasn't no signs of sickness or anything like that, you know, which is of course the other thing you're thinking about the whole time you're touching this thing is like, how do I not touch this thing? But, but, uh, you know, I'm being careful. I got gloves on and everything. And, and, uh, I cut that thing up and I'm just going to tell you by the time I was done with it, never again, just, just <laughs> <laughs> never again. <laughs> It was, it was oh, bad. Man. And I'm going to tell you right now, the very worst part, the very worse than the, that, that raccoon odor, worse than, uh, the weird kind of like chunky urine that was dried onto the fur, <laughs> <laughs> more like creamy urine. It was, it was funky Ugh. guys. It gross. was, it was <laughs> gross. It was shiver? gross. Oh, and man. worse than all that. The <laughs> anal orifice, we'll say. <laughs> I, I, I want all. I want all three of you to take your fist. <laughs> all right, now make now make a fist and wrap wrap your thumb over your forefinger and try and make that part that like little fleshy part of your hand as wrinkly and puckered looking as you've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) or as you possibly can. And then now, now expand the size of that by like a time and a half and add in a few more wrinkles and make it bald as Mr. Clean's head. And that is what you see when you lift the tail on a raccoon. I mean, oh, it is just right there. <laughs> and when I saw that thing, that just about, you know, because I was like excited for the tail part, you know, the raccoon tail is like all cool and everything. And then, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like 90% of the way done with the thing. And then I lift up that tail and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that that's right there and uh it was oh my goodness it was just the the final straw for why i will never skin another raccoon unless we're in like a post-apocalyptic world and i just gotta get it done but yeah. but uh that was get finished i got her done and um there was no way i was putting that hide in the freezer with the rest of our, you know, like my venison and pheasants and everything else that I got in there. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I took advantage of the cutting wind chill. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bagged it up and I wired it to a pole <laughs> outside of the building that I was <laughs> I was working it over in. So <laughs> I'm gonna let old man winter keep that cool for me. But <laughs> Oh man, talk about a dirty job. Whoa. No thank you. Never Where was again. the trap at? Was it up in the barn or is it It was outside the barn at a good access point. Oh, it's and good. uh yeah, it it was effective. It got her done. So <laughs> No, that was that was my <laughs> that was my excitement for today. But um oh. uh, can, we, can we all agree that as violated as you are uh, talking about creamy urine might might be just as foul. <laughs> oh. oh man, it was oh oh 
I, I can't stop laughing crap. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was the source of the smell or what, but it was <laughs> it was vile, man. It was oh, not right. Like you put him out of his misery if he's got current. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I might have to edit this part out, you know, it's getting a little we might we might get ourselves an explicit rating here, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was uh yeah, whatever. What's the topic tonight? <laughs> yeah, right. Let's change the subject here. You know, I'm I'm uh, feeling a little queasy again. So, no, we got we got a <laughs> we got Alex to give us a quick little update here on uh, some tag application stuff that's really most pressing for right now. So, Alex, go ahead and take it away here. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. We got uh, Wyoming elk. That is. The first of many, uh, that is due January 31st at 11.59 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Make sure you get that one right. And uh, Wyoming, you do not have to buy a license. You do have to fork over all the monies for the tag that you are applying for. Mm. And then you got to wait four to five months before you get your money back or a tag. So wow. that's the fun okay. there. Yeah. And then you get two different options there. You have what they call the regular and the special. The regular is, let's call it 725 bucks after your service fees and all that fun stuff. And uh, that is essentially part of the normal draw. And you mm-hmm. have normal odds, let's call it that way. If, if if that's fair enough to call it that, sure. And then you get what they call the special draw, and that's about thirteen hundred bucks. You'll be forking over for that bad boy. And the mm. special draw gives you, in theory, better opportunity of odds for getting that tag because it's more expensive, so less people will apply for that one. Mm, sure. So that's all it is. It's the same tag if you draw it. You just paid a little bit more and really how it works out you might get that tag a year earlier than the regular right now based on the statistics so that's wyoming it's it's really the kind of the first one that hits the uh, docket i've been i've been pretty much doing that all week and then uh, we have the great state of arizona that's got pronghorn and elk going on and that's a little bit nicer you do have to buy a license it's 160 bucks and then uh, you can apply and your application only costs 15 dollars towards the state which is nominal you can apply for your bonus points there or you can apply to be in the draw itself and then that is due february 8th at 11 59 p.m mountain standard time Mm. so that's that's kind of the latest update i will add this if you apply for wyoming and you do not draw, you do not get automatic points. You actually have to go back in in between July and October, and then you have to get your points because uh, they want to get some more service fees off of you. So uh, enjoy that one uh, down the road there. But if you do not apply for those points, you don't get them. So then you have the same draw odds next year because you did not bank a point. So mm. uh, if you need help, let me know. Yeah, yeah good definitely stuff. reach out to Alex. Some more good little... I like those little tidbits that we have Alex do every once in a while. That that just gets me gets my mind wandering a little bit about what I want to do coming up. Um, you know, one thing you could throw on there too is there's still time for that super tag. 
In, there is. Uh, in uh, Wyoming. There that, is. That also ends on the 31st. But anytime Alex talks about this stuff, there's not a guy who knows more about it. And uh, hopefully you see that as well. I am stoked for uh, the bear hunt that Alex is planning for us. And uh, yes. if, if you're sitting around wondering if you would uh, enjoy yourself on one of these hunts or not, the answer is yes. We all know that. So uh, quit waiting around. Give old Alex a call. And you can even save yourself 10% by uh, telling him that you heard about him on this here podcast. So make sure you reach out mm -hmm. to Alex if you're thinking about it. This is true. You got to make it happen. Not young forever. Time time stands still for no one. Whatever little cliche you need to uh, get you going on that, make sure you, you get going. And that's, I mean, that's really how you take those next steps as a hunter too, you know. Um, I can't tell you how many guys I talk to that only hunt one species, which they're Hey, there is nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do, but you can just almost sense that like, not that they're bored with it. I don't think that's the right word to apply, but they, they feel you can like hear it in their voice almost when they're talking to you. They're, they're hungry for a new challenge. They just need to go mm. try it. And honestly, one way to always give yourself a new challenge is to take on another species, whether that be a raccoon yeah. in the barnyard or uh, that mm -hmm. be, uh, you know, an elk out in Wyoming or whatever. Yeah. You, you yep. take on those challenges, you take yourself to that next level, and you enjoy hunting in a whole new light. So, yeah, well said. Well, guys, very well said. That completes uh, part one of this episode. Part two. We're going to actually uh, bring on to the show uh, Charles Whitwam from Howl for Wildlife, a new, well, I guess maybe new isn't the right word, but a, a very recently formed, we'll say, group that tracks wildlife and hunting legislation for hunters. Well, and, and I shouldn't just say four hunters, four outdoorsmen, right? Four mm -hmm. hunters, anglers, trappers. They're following this stuff very closely, and they've streamlined the communication process of you getting in touch with the elected officials that you are able to get in touch with to make your voice heard in favor of hunting, fishing, trapping. And it's an incredibly important role that we all play and need to show up to the plate for. Or we can sit here and complain about new laws being passed, lost opportunities, uh, while we never took part in trying to save those things. So we're going to bring Charles on now for part two of the show. Well, thanks for hanging on to part two. We are officially there. Our guest in fact, this was such an important thing that part one and part two are taking place roughly 24 hours apart from each other. That's how that's how big of a deal this part two is. And it's kind of a new format. We, I don't think we've ever really done an episode like this. Alex, maybe you can, uh, you can weigh in on this with your memory here. But I don't think we've ever done like a a, uh, you know, like a two part episode all in one episode. So this is, this is new and it's worth doing because of who we have on for part two. And that would be Mr. Charles Whitwam of 
Howl for Wildlife. And uh, Howl for Wildlife is how this episode is going to get its name. And uh, it's, uh, I think Alex already knows the name because he has a script at home, but, but um, it's a, it's a, uh, how, how new is Howl, Charles? How, how long have you guys been around? Uh, launch date was exactly two weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, I've been working on it for, I guess about a year. Awesome. Yeah. 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 It, it is, so I don't feel bad then about not, not knowing about you until about one week ago. So, uh, okay. it's, it's a, uh, the, the second, well, actually it, it's, it's perfect that Alex is here. Cause Alex is the one that in, introduced me, uh, to Howl, and it, it, it was, like when he sent me that, I was like, yes, this is exactly what we need for all of this because I've always felt kind of like guilty that I haven't had the time to like really pour over, okay, who's fighting, you know, what battle right now in which state for, you know, what obscure hunting regulation. And uh, we can talk about the one that just uh, uh, was, I guess, what what would be the right term today? Was it a bill that was presented today? Or was was there actually a vote on on this uh, proposal today in New Hampshire? New Hampshire, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. I mean, even today, you know, it was talk about an obscure hunting right. But when you when you look at it from a standpoint, and I don't want to get into this too much yet because we're going to get into it in a little bit, but uh, it just shows how yeah, there is opposition out there to the way of life that goes along with hunting where people are are looking for sometimes the most minute detail that seems totally meaningless. And you can kind of get sung to sleep on that as a fellow hunter. You're like, eh, no big deal. That affects what, four people? Well, that's the first, (laughs) you know, that's the first foothold there for uh, going after some bigger things that hurt a little bit more coming down the road. So if we can defend even the smallest things, I think that's uh, it, it does a whole lot more for the bigger picture. So it's an incredibly powerful thing that Charles has created here with Howl for Wildlife because as he's going to kind of explain it here, it streamlines the activism side of being a good hunter. But as I think a lot of people are, are just kind of like overwhelmed by it. And so Howl came along and they've uh, kind of streamlined that. But I'm not an expert enough on how I'm going to let the guy who uh, thought on it for a year uh, kind of tell us about that. So Charles, could you maybe give us your background as a hunter real quick? And then also, you know, kind of roll that into how, how came around. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. And um, so I grew up in Michigan and I thought everybody hunted. I didn't think there was people who didn't hunt. <laughs> I was just completely surrounded by it and small farm and everything. It took me a while. I mean, it was, I guess I left, I don't know when they stopped this, but I mean, you know, this was, you would see deer on the hood of cars all the time. And <laughs> nobody, nobody cared. It wasn't right. didn't offend anybody or whatever. And I just thought everybody hunted and we, anyways, I learned that, everybody doesn't hunt. So yeah, I grew up hunting. Um, and then I moved to, uh, eventually came up to California and I started hunting the West and out here. I love hunting out here. I have been a, I am a guide and an outfitter, um, as well. I, I have a, um, an event business out here that I've been doing since 2006. Okay. 
And, um, and this just came along sort of, I've been involved in two bills before this now, one in 2018, it was a wild pig bill, Mm. which didn't seem bad. Um, but there was language inserted into it that raised some red flags. And it turns out that that section was supported by anti-hunting groups. And for whatever reason in California, we feel like we have to compromise in order Mm. to get something passed. And it's the low hanging fruit that they pick on first. And with that one, it was contained hunting preserves for exotics. And I felt like, hmm, why do we need to give in to that? There's, and, and especially after finding out about these preserves and what it is that they offer and opportunities that they offer, it might not be your thing. Hmm. I understand. However, sure. they have um, amazing, and one of them I'm going to bring up, it's a thousand acres. Okay. So it's a thousand yeah. acres. Mm-hmm. Entertainment, okay. Um, they have hunting school there. So new people who aren't sure if they want to get into hunting or whatnot, they can go there. They learn how to take an animal. They learn shot placement. They learn how to butcher the animal. They bring the meat home. It's the whole thing. Injured, um, injured hunters go there a lot, uh, disabled, what, you know, vets, everything. It's a place. If, if you're old and you want to get in a last hunt, you can't go hunt here or whatever else they have that set up for you. Hmm. Um, great for youth, everything. So I see nothing wrong with it. And it's, in fact, I make it, it's really simple. It's, have you ever bought, have you ever eaten steak at a restaurant? Have you ever gone to the grocery store and bought meat? Well, Mm -hmm. you did not kill that. So you can't rip on if somebody goes to a contained quote unquote hunting preserve, whatever it is you want to call it, high fence, canned, whatever. Well, good on them. It's grocery shopping with an adventure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Right. Exactly. Full agreement. But step back for a second, realize who inserts this into the bill and understand that that's just the first foothold. Mm. What what comes next? Mm -hmm. And we can see, you know, it's predator man. They they go after States where they can get a foothold in it's predator management or it's trapping or it's, you know, hound hunting or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so no, they can't get a foothold and we cannot allow in any bill, even if the rest of the bill is written, you know, okay. Cause that's the way a lot of these are. They're kind of crafty. Um, but why, why would we give in to anti-hunting pressure for, for them to, to insert a section that they, you know, they like or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just, um, that's not the way we're going to do it. So, um, that bill got killed. That was a 2018 bill. The, the latest wild pig bill in California, which is written a little better, has the same language in it about the preserve hunting. Hmm. And, and everyone at first, because you read the summary and you're like, oh, this is a good bill. I'm like, hmm, let me read this. The exact same language about it. So I'm like, okay, I know who's involved with this. So no. we have to get that word out to get hunters and organize there's hunting organizations that support this bill because mm. they don't do their due diligence. This is yeah, what right. I'm learning. Not right. everybody does their due diligence. They just, they just don't. And, um, I realize it takes a lot of time. It's, it's, it's difficult and these bills can be difficult to navigate. Um, but I don't want to make that mistake. I want to be on top of this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. So, so then last year, um, there was a, a bear bill that was in California that they were going to ban bear hunting. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where we really made, it was just before Howl for Wildlife, but we uh, kind of started a grassroots effort, grassroots effort on social media and got a ton of people involved. Kind of mm-hmm. like it's the same reason why this has blown up so much, but now it's organized. Yeah. Um, and that, that bill got pulled in five days because of all the calls and the emails and, and whatnot. And they were just like, mm-hmm. what the heck is going on? Where are all these, where are all these hunters coming from? And, and um, so that's when how for wild, the idea for how for wildlife started. And I kind of wanted it to look a little different. Like you look at it, like, this is a, what is this? Is this pro hunting? Is this what's going on? It's all on purpose. Um, because we have to go beyond, we have to go beyond hunting. So I want people to go to the site and um, learn something. And I mean, our main goal is to turn all hunt as many hunters as we can into an activist, but to make the anti-hunting groups irrelevant, to make the Humane Society of the United States, and when they have these, they support these bills um, that are anti-hunting, to make them irrelevant because mm. they're not honest, they are deceitful, they do not use sound science they try and use science it's usually social science like look right. at this look at this bear cub that hunters are killing like, it's already illegal that's you, right. you can't do that, can't do you that. Know, no. yes but that's what the, they'll focus on things like that so i i honestly want to make them ir- irrelevant so when they go to a representative or you know uh they propose a bill some they they don't Somebody, then they don't, you know, whoever it is they're proposing to, they don't buy into that because hmm. that's what they're doing now. They're like, Hey, we have the money. We have the support. We can get, we can get this bill passed. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to raise the flags on the other side and show them how powerful we are. And yeah. what we've done in the last two weeks, along with other organizations and everybody else has been involved has been really incredible. And th- this morning I woke up to a text from a, um, a lady that was, was helping out with, I think she's part of a hound group or a dog group in New Hampshire. And I was like, Hey, uh, can you, she's like, I'm going to be at the meeting. You know, I'm like, okay, well, can you text me what's going on? Because yesterday I got an email from one of the representatives in New Hampshire that essentially told me the bill's going to be dead because of like, we've been, he, he was like, we've been flooded with all these emails. We don't know where it's coming from, but he said, I posted it today. He said, um, he thought the bill was going to pass. And now everyone's so fed up that's on the board of receiving all this pressure. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 um, inexpedient to legislate is, is the word they use in, in New Hampshire. And basically he said, it means the bill's going to get killed. And that's exactly what happened. So it's good. Yeah, all right. This, listen, this is, and our organization is not, we have one goal. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, a Republican, or whatever. Mm-hmm. We have one goal here. It's like hunters. Do you hunt? Okay, let's align. Do you believe in science-based management, sound science-based management? Let's align. That's the campfire we're sitting around. Yep. Everything else, we can talk about that later. But it's not how for wildlife. So Democrats and Republicans in New Hampshire voted 18 to 1 to kill this bill. Awesome. And, it's awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. And um, there's a bill in Colorado the cats gonna be killed i'm just gonna say it but wow. it needs to yeah that's that's gonna be a disaster for him if it's not killed. so it has four sponsors now it has one wow. and um they have two of them have responded directly to me saying 
um, we hear you, we are pulling our support from this and, um, you know, one of them requested a meeting with me too. So this wasn't like a canned message thing. Yeah. You know, it, right. it works. You know, this isn't the only thing we should do, obviously, but this is a void making it so easy for everybody to get involved and to make their voice heard in large numbers, mm. um, has not been available before. And there's many reasons for that. Um, a lot of it has to do with nonprofit status. So if you're 501c3 or c4, there's only um, a certain allotment that you can spend on advocacy, right? Mm. So that was one of the decisions like, oh yeah, of course we're going to be a 501c3 because then um, the donations are tax deductible generally or whatever. But then Oh, we can't really complete our so like, Okay, well, we're just a nonprofit corporation, so right, right. we have to figure out how to, how to manage that. But we can fill these voids that all these other organizations can't do. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just been interesting to well to see this grow and, and see the the numbers in in two weeks. It's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I gotta give you I gotta give you a ton of credit because the last bill that came out for California for the, the, you know, the bear banning deal, uh, that was, <clears throat> I forgot who I was talking about, uh, in re- regards to just the hunting organization and stuff, but we're us not being organized as hunters has what has hurt us. Oh, yeah. right. And, and there's, there's even a generational aspect to it, right? You got the old school hunting guys, right? Like I think of what, people used to think of hunters as guys sitting in a, in a blind smoking a scar, <laughs> you, you got new age hunters. Right. And, and I, and I think we're somewhat tech savvy, but then as a group, that's where we kind of have that separation and loss. Yeah. And it's because we haven't had anything organized and easy. Right. So like for me, whatever day you launched, I was all over it and I was sharing it all over. It was all over my page. And I started sending specific like invites and notes to to people that's what kent got from me like you gotta get on here right now like and and all i was thinking was man i said this like what a year year and a half ago and finally somebody actually did it (laughs) (laughs) and it's awesome because that's exactly what what you're talking about is i can share it to thirty thousand people but i need one aspect to communicate it where i can just make it that simple because if you if you make it laborious Nobody's doing it, and that's where we yeah. that's where we lose, you know. Right. Or or people don't even know who to email or who to contact, and and they're like, "What do I say?" Right. I, I don't or, exactly to what to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and and you guys bring up a really important part of all of this, and I think this is I'm going to actually have Alex describe this for us. So if you're listening, and you might be saying, "Okay, okay, this is great. Everyone's voice is getting heard. It's easy somehow." You know what is it? <laughs> so. Alex, can you kind of describe what someone's going to find when they either receive, you know, that invite from a hunting buddy or they click on a link posted on, you know, your social media page or the first gen hunter social media page or whatever, and that takes them to the website. Can you just explain how easy the process is for making your voice heard on these issues? It's super simple. I mean, it, it's essentially on my viewpoint, as I, I'll, I'll say at a consumer or a user point of view, it's <clears throat> I, I, I see what bill or, or presentation of argument has been brought up. 
Mm-hmm. You click on it, and then immediately that page just gives you a brief overview of what's in this presented bill or whatnot. And then you basically put your first and last name email address in there, and then you, you're essentially signing to send over a document from you to legislation or whoever is passing this. And it makes it that simple. And I can then just take that copied link and, and you know, Howl for Wildlife made it that easy. It, you already have everything professionally made there for you, and you even can share it via text or Facebook or whatever the case is. And then that's that's how I forward that directly to you, Kent. So yeah, it's the it's the simplicity, and I agree with the other point that you said. It's not just hunters. This could be fishermen, backpackers, hikers. Mm-hmm. That whole community, they might like us getting fresh meat. They have no problem with it. But if they could understand the argument on the other side, we just got a whole nother mess of people involved in this world that have a lot of a lot of influential power that nobody wants to deal with. So it's yeah. it's super simple. You guys you guys made it very, very nice. Right. Uh, and that, for, it, for the consumer end user. And and time is everything, right? Time time is everything for for people. And so I think that was kind of the other bill. First of all, the time or the other bill, the other part of the problem was Yes, there was time involved in figuring out, okay, what are these threats? You know, what, what bill is even the latest attack on hunting or, or the latest a threat to conservation of some resource or something like that? You know, there was that time. And then there was a time, okay, now I got to think out, okay, I got to look up, first of all, who are all my people that I need to be contacting my, my, uh, legal officials that I in political, my political officials that I need to be contacting and, uh, now type up a message that doesn't make me sound like a, you know, <laughs> some kind of a bonehead here. You know, I got, mm-hmm. I need to sound halfway intelligent. In my argument, that stuff is all streamlined together. And through Howell, I think I w- had sent out, letters on the first the first time I logged in and and uh, sent stuff out I think I'd sent out letters on was it six maybe five or six issues going on right now all Mm -hmm. in different states and I had all that done in 10 minutes you know and, and 10 minutes is a you know that's a that's a estimating on the long end of how long that took so it's that easy yeah if you're just sending emails that's definitely in the long end we do have a click to call option on some of the states uh issues which is kind of gives you a training prompt um it's like a tutorial uh like hey before you call and it links it links you to all the phone numbers all the decision makers basically Mm. in um in sequential order right so um First of all, it says, you know, explain who you are. Are you a resident of the state? Are you a concerned hunter? Are you, you know, do you hunt in that state from out of, whatever. Come up with your title, like, hi, I'm this, and I oppose this, and here's why. They might say something back to you. They might not. Thank you so much for your time. Goodbye. And um, those are super powerful. They, I know for a fact in Colorado, they're answering the phone and saying, (laughs) are you calling to oppose the mountain lion bill. <laughs> okay. So that's amazing. Right? Yes. Like, yes. They're not, yes. So, so it just couldn't be any easier to, to get involved on that level. Um, 
the, the first thing is what I would do if you want to take an extra five seconds is just create a login first. So you do join the pack. And what that means is you have a login and password. So then the reason why you should do that now, everything you do on the website and if you're on Facebook, like you can connect your accounts and everything. Um, you can recruit people to bring in. That's all tracked. And you'll, the, re, the cool part about that is you'll get like a point system. That's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a value added to everything that you do if you attend like a Fish and Wildlife Committee meeting, which is another huge, powerful thing that you can do because mm-hmm. when they see us showing up armed with intellect and, and you know points that are like, hmm, wow, that makes sense. Um, that's super powerful. We haven't really done that before. There's like two people who show up to these things. Well, now we have 63, you know? So um, anyways, when you do that, you're just automatically entered into winning really sweet prizes, which is basically incentivizing activism because, you know, I know how people work. So um, you can win lifetime memberships to the Western Bear Foundation, which comes with a sweet Stone Glacier solo pack which is like 640 bucks. And they, they throw a hat in and a jacket. There's a full day, um, two person float, um, um, fly fishing trip on the Colorado river. Hmm. There's all kinds of cool stuff that we are adding constantly adding. And that's what we're working on now. And that's basically, it's kind of twofold. It, it's showing it's, it's getting companies in the industry involved. Yeah. There before. <laughs> you which is which is great it's great advertising for them and you don't have to we might do this on some rewards because they're really state specific but you don't have to do anything mm-hmm. like i can filter it in the background and be like everybody with 100 points that took action in colorado boom digital drawing number 51 i look at who's number 50 you're going to get an email and say guess what you just won what mm-hmm. you didn't have to like that's easy, <laughs> yeah it's cool yeah right um, so, and we can, and that's going to be developed to, um, with API. So you could, so those points, and I'm going to be stricter on the points once we get to this point, cause you can create multiple accounts or whatever if you want, but it's not really a big deal right now, but, um, where it'll be linked to, um, outdoor industry stores where you can actually use your points and it's linked mm. to their shopping, wow. uh, to their shop. That's so that's all like new level of of interaction, but our goal is to turn us all into activists because that's who we are fighting and they're doing a really good job at it, but we are not lacking in numbers. We are not lacking in money. We're lacking in one voice and we're lacking in organization. Um, And certainly one of the challenges is all of the other orgs that are out there that are fighting for hunting rights, through whatever vehicle they have is <laughs> trying to get them to work together, trying to get them to work with us. I'm like, mm-hmm. listen, we're not competing with you. You don't offer anything that we have. It's totally different. How do we use what content you might have? How do I link things to you? Like you can get the credit for it, but mm-hmm. all those egos, they got to go out the door. Yeah. Like we have to like, again, sit around the same campfire, and have the same message here. Yeah. We have to from yep. the bottom to the top. And if we do that, we can make them the anti hunting groups. We can make them irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I yeah. really think we can. 
one hundred percent. But that's done through um, advertise. I think mainstream advertising. We have data. We have data. We have science. We have truth on our side. We have amazing things that we can show, mm-hmm. and we just don't. We show it. It's like we show it to each other. Like ah, good, good for you. All right. Well, yep. What about the people out there who don't hunt? They understand. They think it's cool that you go get your own meat. They eat meat. They get mm-hmm. it from the store, whatever else, but they don't understand it from our, from our point of view. But if you can show them that just last year alone, like $826 million went to wildlife conservation, which is actually protecting wildlife. And for whatever right. reason, I don't like to say that we are protecting wildlife, but management right. protects and we are a part of that. Yep. But all that money came from hunters and anglers just simply buying tags and through the and, and licenses and, you know, validation stamps, whatever it is. Um, and all that goes to wildlife management just from us doing that. Right. And then the Pittman Robertson tax that's, that's on that. So things like that, that we can show, it's like, what do you, it's the truth and we need to stand behind that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing information. It's amazing data to get a, a pretty good conversation going. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. Now, one thing I'm thinking through all of this, especially as we start to hear some of the success that is already, you know, very well evident. Are you concerned that just as you have, you know, you've, you've stepped up to the plate, do you anticipate some pushback from some of these anti-hunting uh, movements as they start to, you know, see time and again, hey, there's this guy who's got all these people <laughs> flooding yeah. the in- inboxes of our uh, politicians with, uh, you know, the same message that that uh, they, you know, are against this bill mm-hmm. that you guys keep presenting. So until you guys, you know, have a louder voice than what is is coming out of hunters and anglers and, you know, the same consistent message over and over again. There's this guy who created this thing called Howl for Wildlife. Do you anticipate some attacks coming your way? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's I simple. Mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, um, you know, the same methods have been tried for decades, mm-hmm. and the the attacks are just increasing, mm-hmm. and we're using the same methods. And I don't think they work. They don't work well enough. Right. And, and it's sort of like we have all of this. We're worried about this, you know, enemy. Uh, and we show up to the battlefield with like <laughs> a few of us have some swords or something or whatever. But all right, we got all this artillery sitting back there. Why haven't we ever used it? Like, right. what is going on? Everybody's just like a little bot going in their own direction. No, I can fight it. No, I can fight it. No, I know how to. Everybody wants to be their own. It is the egos. Right. And it, ha- it just has to stop. Plus, there's all of, all of us who are like, well, what can I do? That's a whole other army. Yeah. Because before yeah. it's been, it's been. And listen, I'm not talking bad about it. I'm just saying, I'm talking about the void we are filling. Before, it's like, send your money to this organization, and they're going to fight these battles in courts or whatever else. And you know, they might give you some info like, hey, email this guy or find your legislator. But a lot yeah. of times that doesn't cross state lines. But here's why we should cross state lines. 
bunch of reasons. Um, the anti-hunting movement does, 100%. We've been mm-hmm. in on their meetings. They didn't know that. But we kind of have their game plan on a lot of these states. Um, we hunt out of state. So we're buying licenses and tags. So we are putting our money into those states. We are concerned about the wildlife in those states. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to understand that if something's happening in California and it passes here, that is giving them momentum, strength, the money. It sets precedence to come to your state. So yeah. if you're in Florida, like, ah, that's, no, it's going to come to your state. They're just trying it out here first, and it's just going to keep rolling. And now we can certainly see that, right? I mean, how many mm-hmm. – we launched on that Tuesday, and I think, like, the timing couldn't have been any better. Um, two or three bills came out on that day, and then the following days it got up to to six, and now there's more. Um, I took off two today because New Hampshire came off, and then um, what we were fighting in Washington yeah. was a small win. was a small win. There's There's more to be done, but – those actions are going to change now. Um, but anyways, just that mindset of it doesn't matter where you are, you can get involved and do a little something with this. And then of course, if you can take the time and we're developing this as we get liaisons or whatever for each state. But, um, if you can, join the zoom meetings or, or, or however it's set up where we go over bills or we go over, pro hunting legislation that we can introduce. We're always on our heels. Mm, we're always yeah. behind, right? We can do yeah. that too. We can, we're learning the process of, okay, how do you go to a fish and wildlife commission and present? I want a second bear tag for California instead of just one. How do we, well, how do we get that on, um, mm-hmm. to, to legislation or not to legislation, but to the fish and wildlife committee so they can decide it. What's our process for doing that? They're always, the anti are always introducing these things. Well, why aren't we, Right. you know, why don't we show up with the numbers? So that's a part of it as well. And that's super powerful if we can do that. So, um, putting them on their heels, right. Yeah. All while trying to make them irrelevant. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, going back to my, my last question, thanks for being willing to, uh, face mm-hmm. some of that heat that that's going to come with that and inevitably does like you, like you suggested, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, not an easy thing to step into. And, um, you know, I like that part in there too. There's, there's two things that you kind of hit that I was going to go into eventually, but, but, uh, you did a nice job covering them both already. Our voice does matter for States that are outside of our own for the very reason that, uh, Charles mentioned, you know, we, we have all this firepower together and we do like to hunt these other States. Um, New Hampshire, that's interesting to me because, uh, yeah, I live in Iowa, but, uh, my wife's family is from New Hampshire. They all live in New Hampshire. I definitely have interest in hunting in New Hampshire, uh, eventually. And so it was just kind of a, you know, kind of a weird feeling sending that off. Uh, I think I sent it off yesterday. Um, my letter through how, and, um, you know, it's like, Hey, this, this, you know, it may not feel like it matters to you right now, but it sure could in a few years when mm-hmm. you, when you got a chance to get out there and hunt. And so absolutely we need to be looking at what's going on in, in other States, you know, and, and, uh, you know what, <laughs> how much do we want other States weighing in when that 
comes to our door, you know, when, when, uh, when we're, you might be like a, a little, uh, niche type of hunting, you know, like, uh, maybe some small game where you like hunting with hounds, you know, like I had, well, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you just see that I had someone with a coon hound out on my farm on, uh, uh, Saturday evening, you know, how many coon hunters are left, <laughs> you know, you could, you, you could probably, uh, uh, fit them all into a uh, Brandon state of Delaware. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the, the, the point, point being, you know, you got this n- little tiny niche group of hunters. If somebody came to Iowa and said, Hey, we're going to ban coon hunting. Yeah. That would probably bug me a little bit, but at the same time, oh, I don't coon hunt, you know? Okay. Well, that's one step that now what's the next smallest thing, rabbit hunting, you know, quail, mm-hmm. quail hunting, you know what i mean what what other what's the next step up from that and you know someone listening to this be like whoa there's a fallacy right there there's old slippery slope right i'm here to tell you the slippery slope exists <laughs> you know and we we talk like we talk like the slippery slope is a fallacy i think that that uh the slippery slope fallacy idea is the fallacy slippery slope happens in hunting you know when when you give ground in one area it's just a matter of time before the next step takes, you know, I mean, look at what's mm-hmm. happened with trapping in a lot of places and with, uh, hound hunting in, in other States, you know, I, I believe in your yeah. state, state, uh, Charles in California there, um, how, uh, hunting, was it hunting bears or hunting lions with hounds that that's been gone for a little while now, right? Well, lion hunting has been gone yeah. since the eighties. Um, right. I believe actually thanks to, than Governor Reagan. Um, and um, hunting bear with hounds was banned in 2013. And the, <laughs> the there's a five-year study done on the ungulate populations in Mendocino County, which is in Northern California. And um, it's done by biologists, not just, you know, me. <laughs> Right. It's a real study, and uh, it's it's pretty devastating. And you talk to anybody who hunts, go out and see eight bear in a day. Wow, yeah. a lot of bear here. Yeah. Um, using hounds to hunt those bears anywhere, and I believe California has the the uh, the largest bear population in the lower forty eight. But using hounds to hunt bear is the most effective tool to meet those quotas. To hunt the bear, and the quotas are there based on the population size of the bear that's in the state that biologists come up with, and they say we need to meet this to keep it in check. And that has not—we have not even come close to meeting that quota since um, using bear, using hounds to hunt bear was was banned. And and furthermore, on bear. I mean, on hounds, a lot of people, they're like, oh, it's cheating. It's blah, 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 blah. It's um, extremely physical, okay? It's a grueling hunt. Yeah, but more than that, I'm not, it's the only way where you can accurately, it's catch, it can be catch and release hunting. You will <laughs> know exactly yeah. what it is that you're yeah. If Great you have point. a gun or a bow and you're out there hunting and you're spotting stock and oh, a bear pops up in front of you, you don't have time to figure a lot out. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just sort of going for an opportunity. What happens when you tree a bear 
you can tell if it's a wet sow. You can tell if that mm-hmm. if that sow has cubs possibly. You can tell if that's a mature male that you want to take. So there's a lot that goes on. That's also why um, biologists and and any type of you know data collection on bear they often will use hounds because they can actually get an accurate reading of how many males are in that area or whatever. So there's a lot that goes into that. It's not just oh you're just using hounds and you can track down any bear and it's that's not right. it. It right. doesn't matter if it's your thing. It's fine if it's not your thing. It's not my thing, mm-hmm. but I can defend it. Mm-hmm. And when hound hunters need help, I'm going to be there to defend you. Yeah. Because we're going to need help and I'm going to want them. And that, and I've already seen that happen. It's like in California, the hound hunters like, well, nobody showed up for us. So, you know, and it's, that's unfortunate. Well, and yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And but why show up for you guys? You know, now you, you know, it's like, well, we have to, that's a challenge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And hounds, being a houndsman's a lifestyle. You know what I mean? And so yeah, really. you, uh, you, you, let's just take those, not those dates that you just said there and we could find, you know, exact dates on this, but that sounds right to me with those, those numbers you sent out with, or just said with when lion hunting went out with lion hunting with hounds went out and then, okay. So well, you're lion hunting across the board. Doesn't matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, hunting. so yeah, yeah. No, no more, yeah. no more predation for man on, you know, yeah. probably the most well-equipped predator in your state. But uh, so you're a houndsman. Go back 50 years. You can hunt both lions and bears. Your your granddad was hunting both lions and bears with his hounds. Now, 50 years later, you can't hunt either. And uh, that's a big deal. You know, what's the point in keeping a team of hounds if you uh, – if you can't use them, you know? And so you've basically taken a whole um, group of people and made them non-existent, no, no purpose for existing any longer. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that right there just serves as the perfect example of why we need to care about what's going on everywhere in the hunting world. Even if it's something as minute as what went, went on in uh, New Hampshire today. And thank goodness uh, for the victory there. But, uh, the deal there was just, uh, I believe it was hunters. So beagle hunters, be, we've had a couple of these guys on the podcast before Tremaine Benson from down in Alabama. And, uh, we had, um, the Lone Oak boys from, uh, Virginia. And we talked about raising, you know, teams of beagles for hunting rabbits. Well, that was going on in New Hampshire. And I believe it was, they wanted, they, they use, hairs they capture hairs wild wild hairs right and uh use them for scent recognition you know i'm sure some sight recognition as well when they cut the the hair loose but just to train their beagles and uh that was the that was the detail that they were going after right doesn't sound like a big deal and i think i think they're only allowed 20 rabbit or 20 hairs a year anyways is the quota right or something like that it's it's and every once in a while, it's all for scent um, that these beagles are are, um, okay. are being trained on. And every once in a while, a hare will die. And it's, I think it's usually from just like an outside predator. <laughs> right. So a raptor comes down. That can happen anywhere. It's right. Not, not like it can only happen when they put them in this, you know, 100 acre um these clubs, they have these mm-hmm. you know, fenced yeah. in areas where they're, they're training their beagles um, for scent. Um, 
you know, uh, yeah. hares get right. killed all the time out in nature by whatever. So right. that was one of the examples. Like, that's kind of the thing. It's like, yeah, a hare died here. Oh, yeah, because the raptor came down and took it, and there were an owl or something. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, just really yeah. strange stuff. But, but honestly, what that would do is make it so you have to train your dogs. And if you can't train your dogs, then the whole culture, heritage, the bloodlines of these dogs being scent mm-hmm. hounds, that goes away. Right. Yeah. It, it just seems like. Teach them. Right, right, and you can get lulled to sleep by it not seeming significant. So, I think it's just yeah. critically important to to uh, be paying attention to these things. And Howell has has definitely done that. So, what's coming up, Charles? Is there uh, anything on the horizon you see coming for uh, legislation that that's going to be hitting here real soon that we need to be paying attention to? Yeah, there are some. Uh... And we would have been on this earlier, but I'm kind of um, a lot of this is we're developing, trying to develop some relationships. But there's some trapping bills um, that are out that I think would be fun to to get involved in to just make that voice a lot larger for for the trapping community. I'm sure mm-hmm. they would appreciate that. Um, there's. I mean, this is, this is bill season. So there's going to be a lot of bills coming. Mm-hmm. There's what's going on in Washington is, is ongoing. That's going to be interesting to see that unfold. Um, the governor yesterday filled the three empty seats of okay. that, of that commission. Now I think there's nine total, okay. which is what there was supposed to be. That, that mm-hmm. whole situation has been, has been a, a disaster. Yeah. So that's ongoing. Um, California is always going to be something there's, we have two issues right now directly related to hunting that I'm aware of. We have uh, Oregon, which is, um, it's a ballot box initiative and they have to get, I think 112,000 signatures for it to go on the ballot. And it is the craziest legislation that the craziest bill that you could ever think of. It completely 100% outlaws all fishing, all of the fishing, all of the hunting, any type of, any type of uh, what's it called animal husbandry, like um, breeding of of livestock on farms, clipping nails, um, basically anything. So um, that is the cards are on. If you're questioning <laughs> what the end goal is, you look at Oregon. Wow. So if you're like, oh, that's not no. That's why you cannot give them an inch, and why every single issue is a battle. And why everybody should get involved. And we have made it. There's no excuse. Again, this isn't everything you can do, but we've made this so easy. Yes. You have no excuse to not do it. You just, yep. It's mindless. It's brainless. I don't know what to say about that. But And, and you can win cool prizes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I don't know. What better in life? It's, it's, it's like going to a carnival and you just win every, you know, just, I don't know. It's fun. It's, it's gamification. It's, it's, um, it's, it's hopefully... What I want people to do is also learn from it. Don't just push a button, but the information is there to learn. You can get involved. You will get, and when you do that, you will get emotionally attached to it, to mm-hmm. what's happening here. And then you're going to be more powerful. You're going to have, you're going to be armed with, um, with the right things to say. And mm-hmm. so you're not scared to have this conversation with, with anybody. 
you know, and if they right. bring up something like, oh, well, here's what we do and here's where the money goes. And there's each state has wildlife biologists and this is what they work on and this is what they go to school for and what they study all this for. So here's here's the quotas and here's why we're not just making this stuff up. We're not mm-hmm. like you and I as a hunter, we might go out because it's a hobby and it's an adventure and it's a therapy, whatever it is. But we are also accomplishing the the most important role in wildlife management mm-hmm. is done through the aspects of hunting. Mm-hmm. We're not always aware of that. We're not like, I'm going to go out today and be a wildlife management. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> but that's right. what we're doing by, by taking part in this practice. Right. Yep. Right. No, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on there and uh, you're right. It is, it is uh, a, basically a, a, a timeless investment. You know, we can, we can uh, do it just as quickly as we can scroll Instagram for a few minutes or something. You know, we can, we can get on there and uh, get that, get that done, make our voice heard, strengthen the cause for sure. You know, real quick here. Uh, I think it's important that we, you know, I thanked you earlier, but I think we should thank you again. This takes a lot of time, uh, <laughs> undoubtedly. When I was, when I was uh, <laughs> do, uh, on there right after Alex sent me the link the other night, I was like, man, somebody is typing all this up. Uh, I I don't know. Does it? Is, do you have the system set so that when I type in Kent Boucher in my email address and then I hit send? Does it go straight to the inboxes of uh, my my uh, <laughs> my my people, my representatives, my my senators, or does that does that go to you, and then you got to sort it out? No, it 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 goes to who the decision makers are that are relevant to that bill. So okay. it could be the sponsors, and it could be the committees that will hear the bill. Um, so in in each bill, it'll it'll give you that information. So I know who to put that in for. I can set it up. So it's location based. So if you need to con, so if it's like a federal issue, mm-hmm. I would set it up to where it's, um, what's the, what's the bill that's going on? The wildlife act. Uh, it's the national, yep. the federal, mm-hmm. um, that I would set up to be location based because that needs to go to your representative. Right. Uh, so when you send that email, um, it's based on, whatever zip code you put in and it'll go to the right person automatically. Um, so yeah, no, once you do that, it's, it's, it's set up to, it comes from you, but it goes through our system and it's mm-hmm. white listed, um, to, so it's not spam and whatnot, um, and goes to the right people and awesome. multiple ways we can, that we can, that we can set that up. Good. That's, awesome. That's good. That's good. That's efficient. And still takes you a lot of time though to get that all set up, be doing all the research and, and typing up the, yeah. the emails. Doing, um, most of it, except for one action, a guy, Mike Costello have helped me. Who's been amazing, um, for, for the past year, but, uh, I'm, I'm developing a, uh, a team of wildlife biologists and writers and basically, if we have a uh, and, and a template, so I sent out to them. I'm like, hey, here's here's the information I need for content, mm-hmm. um, and I'll turn it into an action. But you know, I can't really talk about trapping as well as you can because you're in this trapping club and this is your life. So, yeah. and and if you're part of a club, we are going to give you a shout out and a link to you on the actions as well, so people can find out more and. It brings people, you know, your way as well. So, and that's the part with the organizations. A lot of the other organizations, they write or- articles on these, on these subjects. And I'm like, okay, well, 
um, how about I link to you guys and use your content and give you props for the content. It makes it a lot easier. So then we don't have to write original stuff because that just takes mm. more time. Yeah. And right. you guys are already writing it. So trying to get through those, uh, those roadblocks of, you know, the, the struggles of just trying to get everybody on board with kind of the one voice. Yeah. Deal. Right. Right. It doesn't well, take a lot of time. Yeah, well, we we are super thankful and and uh, you know just just uh, really excited. I, I I mean that that's probably the best word for word. how I feel about it. Okay. I I just yeah. feel excited for what what this means going forward and how long it's been since we've probably had people this engaged. You know this mm-hmm. this uh, paying this much attention. So, yeah, really cool thing. So, and one thing, just on information, just on information, um, when you click send, that'll oftentimes with that one click go to twelve. For example, that can go to twelve different people. Wow! With the mm-hmm. one click, right? And it's also set up to where we have randomized emails. So there's actually. And this is the way it's going to be, but in some states it's already set up to where it sends out a different email. So they're not getting the exact same message. You can edit that message as well. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a different email subject line. So it all looks different. Yeah, that's that's awesome. smart. And it comes from your email address. So there's, there's got to be crafty too. Yeah. Well, yep. that, 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 that's something I've thought about is like, okay, well, they obviously can see it's a computer generated style email, right? It's the same thing. So at some point, does that wear off the like feeling to it or not? You know, so that, that that's, that's spot on. I love that. <laughs> can yeah. can complete, completely randomize that. It just, oh, it, just, I love that. it just takes more time, but that's why I need a bigger team to, yeah. make them, you yeah. know, like, Hey, this is your job and that's, you know, that's easy and I can go build relationships over here. I don't have to try and write everything up. Well, Hey, I hope, I hope we get there, man. I hope you can, you can get, get the help you need. That's awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate the excitement. I'm excited. And, and it's, it's, it's the engagement of everybody that's making this successful. So yeah, for sure. sure we're providing tools, but that tool isn't going to do anything without, without engagement. Yeah. Right. For sure. Well, Hey, how can uh, people find Howl for wildlife? Uh, I know you guys are on social media, so what would be uh, the handles for that? Instagram is Howl underscore org, or you can type in Howl for wildlife. Same thing with Facebook. Uh, the website is howlforwildlife.org or com because it forwards to that too. So okay, awesome. I just figured people will probably forget and put in com. I'm like, I should forward that. I should get that too. And forward that. So yeah. um, I think we have Twitter as well, which is just a repeat of what goes on Instagram. I mean, Facebook sure. essentially is too. I just have it go into those. Instagram is the most, I can get the most engagement out of, out of Instagram. Mm-hmm. For sure. So yep. that's it. Love it. That is probably the best thing for uh, preserving what we love doing to come out in, I don't know how long, since Teddy Roosevelt maybe. <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a huge win, I think, that we have, that we have this uh, in our back pocket right now, the, what, what Howell is doing, and we're already seeing the, the benefits. You know, we're seeing the effects of, uh, of how powerful this is. And I think that that's awesome, mm-hmm. but, uh, we can't just, uh, be like, Hey, we got this really sweet new tool known as Howl for wildlife. And, uh, you know, 
to put it on cruise control because uh, there will be there will be a counter voice and uh, it'll always be there and uh, so we can't return to our complacency now that we got this new this new thing to help it does it is a huge help but we need to stay on it we need to be visiting it regularly and certainly sending out those letters and and bringing more people on board to help them become aware of what how can do you can also donate you'll see that uh, availability Mm -hmm. on on uh, the website and um Again, uh, taking action is just so simple. You just get on there, go ahead. As soon as you get done listening to this, go ahead and visit them, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, you can get right on there and get busy right away. So make sure that you're doing that. Well, gentlemen, I thoroughly thank you for uh, giving up some of your evening to come on here to the show and share this really important I guess we could say bit of news and uh, <laughs> this uh, this mission uh, with the listeners of this podcast. And uh, if you're listening in, thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget about Brandon. He's on the first part of the show. So you get to hear his voice. He's out there in Delaware. You know what? He said he couldn't, he didn't he text us, Alex. He said he was like swamped with work. I think what he means by that is he's in a swamp working on killing uh, professor X. Uh, So I'm pretty pretty sure he's uh, out there trying to clean up on that, that uh, beautiful, uh, giant white tail there uh, hanging out on his farm in Delaware right now. So uh, don't forget about him, though. Get over to thehuntfishlife.com and uh, buy some of their gear. They got really nice stuff. I was just wearing their shirt uh, like a few days ago to fight this bitter cold that we have sweeping through, settling in here on Iowa. But um, make sure you get over there, visit them, of course, on social media as well. Don't forget about Alex. He's on the other end of the line. Go to alexgruen.com. The first gen 10 promo code will save you 10% off of your dream hunt and the dream hunt that comes after that and the one after that. So uh, make sure you uh, head over there, visit Alex, get him working on, on your plan for you. And then when you're done with all of them, don't forget about firstgenhunter.com. And of course, you can uh, find the social media links, all the other podcasts everything else that you need right there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, fellas, for joining me tonight. Until next time, take care and take someone hunting.